so we're off. This is Political Currency with me, Ed Balls. And me, George Osborne. What do you think of the theme tune? First time you've heard it? It's the first time I've heard it. It's great, Ed. Who, who's the drummer? Uh, I think you know. I am the drummer on that track. I'm also the keyboard player. Look, Senna, our composer, plays most of the instruments. He's the real genius, but, you know, quite proud of my contribution. You are the Ringo star of this partnership, and long may that continue. I'm not sure what that actually means, but uh, I'd like to see you play the piano now. You're never going to see me play a musical instrument. I've tried and failed at that several times in my life. But we are here to talk about something we both know quite a bit about, which is economics and politics and how they interact. You were Chancellor of the Exchequer for six years until things went wrong after the, um, the defeat in the referendum in 2016. But before that, you were very involved in Conservative Central Office and then with William Hague, a very long period of time, huge amount of uh, experience in Treasury, economics, and particularly politics in Britain. Yes, and of course, while I was Chancellor, you were the Shadow Chancellor and you were the toughest political opponent I had. And before that, you were in the Labour Cabinet and a big force in Gordon Brown's Treasury. So we bring those experiences to bear. And of course, we were fierce political enemies. Who would have thought, Ed, Um, 10 years ago, we'd be sitting like this opposite each other and not taking chunks out of each other? We used to have to take real lumps. And the House of Commons sort of does that. It makes things confrontational and uh, at times it got quite feisty. We should have a listen to the archive. The Chancellor is not Robin Hood. He's the Sheriff of Nottingham. (laughs) And as for jobs and growth, he couldn't give a friar tuck, Mr Deputy Speaker. I was quite pleased with that one. It actually made the 10 o'clock news on ITV. And British politics was stronger for it, wasn't it, Ed? (laughs) Let's have one of yours. Getting a lesson from the Shadow Chancellor on how to balance the books is like getting a lesson from Dracula and how to look after a blood bank. I'm not sure I ever fully understood that, but I mean, surely Dracula's quite good at collecting blood. Yeah, but he's not good at looking after it, which is why you want someone looking after a blood bank. Anyway, so you didn't get much. it then, you don't get it now, Ed. So, so he drank too much. <laughs> anyway, I was thinking, you know, over the last few years, it seems like a long time ago we were in the House of Commons, eight years ago now. Since then, we've done... Elections, we spent all night with Tom Bradby in an ITV studio, 2017-2019. We've done all those Sundays over the last year and a half on the Andrew Neil show talking about politics and economics. I was actually remembering back then, I think the first time I talked to you after I lost my seat in 2015, after you had my person who beat me, Andrea Jenkins, introduce you at the 2015 Conservative Party conference. The yes, following year, sorry about that, Ed. I know, you shouldn't have done that. Look look where that ended up. The following year, we were at a conference and we were talking over the coffee break. First time I'd seen you since I'd lost. And I said to you that I now realised that the thing which had had a big impact in my constituency in West Yorkshire was the adverts you did with Alex Salmond, with Ed Miliband in his pocket, at a time when the polls were quite tight and it looked like Ed Miliband might be the Prime Minister, but in a hung parliament, and he might need to have the the support of the SNP to govern. I remember you saying that you and David Cameron were quite sceptical about those ads. Yeah, no, that's right. In that 2015 campaign, where I popped up in your constituency a few times campaigning to get rid of you, sorry about that, Ed, we had been persuaded that we should be actually putting up posters in places like West Yorkshire of Alex Salmond, which was not at all what you would expect in an election campaign in England. You know, I remember the meeting in 10 Downing Street, in the Prime Minister's private office in 10 Downing Street, and in came a political ad genius, a guy called Jeremy Sinclair, who did the famous 
uh, Labourism working poster from 1979. And he designed these ads, big ads of Alex Salmond with a little Ed Miliband in his pocket. And we were supposed to run these across the West Midlands, across West Yorkshire. Uh, you know, and I remember David and I saying, why are we putting up pictures of Alex Salmond in this election campaign? But of course, you know, our political advisors at the time were right that playing on the fears that Labour wouldn't get an overall majority, that it would be in hock to the Scottish National Party, was a big factor in English politics. And what's so interesting, Ed, is that I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if that kind of theme comes back over the next year as people start to focus on what Labour needs to do if it's going to win the next election. So part of our podcast is going to be looking back to things we've experienced, things we've learned, and then seeing how they apply to where we are today, what's going to happen in the coming months and years in British politics. We're also, I think, people who, as Chancellor or Shadow Chancellor, we always understood that economics is at the centre of good politics. There are some politicians who can sometimes think if you make a speech and it's sufficiently compelling, that's enough to change the course of history. Uh, Who are you thinking of? Someone with blonde hair used to be in Downing Street, sadly kicked out? I think Tony Blair also had that sort of slightly messianic feel to him at times. Whereas we know that if you get the economics right, the politics can flow from that. But if you get the economics wrong, good economics is good politics, bad economics bad politics. It's the economy stupid, as uh, an American strategist once said. So we're going to focus on the economy. We're going to talk also about politics and how the two interact. I think also what's interesting is, and why this podcast, I hope, is going to be relevant, is that politics itself has changed over the last few years. We've gone from that period where the Tory party went off on a kind of Brexit extremist adventure, which uh, was frankly a dead end, and then we had the Corbynista extremism, which put good people out of the Labour Party. But now we're back to the kind of politics that you and I would have been more familiar with, contesting for the centre ground, uh, two reasonable people who want to be prime minister, but with different agendas. And um, I think we'll be able to bring some insight into the decisions they're facing and how those decisions are actually made in the corridors of power. Whether the Conservative Party and the Labour Party have fully learned that the Brexit and Corbyn extremes were um, the wrong direction, time will tell. I'm not totally sure. One thing, though, I think we also know is that it's possible to disagree and still be civil. You don't have to hate the other person. And that while disagreeing is important, look, I hope in our podcast we're going to talk about some of the big disagreements we've had. I think back to decisions you made around austerity, abolishing building schools for the future in 2010, the restrictions in the welfare state around um, number of children who could get tax credits. I disagreed with them then. I don't like them now. And there's stuff we can learn from where we disagree. But then Keir Starmer sticking with the two-child oh, limit no. on welfare, which I introduced and has come back years later as a big issue in British politics. But that takes you to an interesting thing, which is in the end, however contested things are, the only things which last are the things which become consensual. So the Conservatives opposed the minimum wage in 1997. You ended up boasting about raising it. The Conservatives opposed central bank independence in 97-98. You ended up being a champion of it. The trade union reforms of the 1980s, which many Labour people hated at the time, clearly Tony Blair and Gordon Brown, carried on with them. So things which are contested can become consensual. And when people agree, 
that's often how our country moves forward. And I think we've changed as people as well, haven't we, Ed? Uh, you know, both of us had pretty golden political careers. We were the young advisors who rushed up into the shadow cabinet and the cabinet. But you were a bit macho. Well, you were a bruiser, mate. I know, and I think I think it was a mistake. I think we changed. We were both kicked out on our fat asses, uh, to quote a cabinet minister, in 2015 and 2016. And, you know, that, that was a big shock, I think, to both of us and what we expected to do with our professional lives. We've gone on to do different things. I would not have predicted back then that you were going to be on Strictly or presenting Good Morning Britain, but... I think as a result, Britain's seen a different side to Ed Balls than the one we uh, wanted them to see in 2015. Yeah, look, if you'd said to me in, in 2015 when I lost my seat that um, I was going to climb Kilimanjaro with Little Mix, uh, be best home cook with Mary Berry, and then present breakfast television with Susanna Reid on ITV, I would not have believed you. Who's Just, Little Mix? If you... <laughs> If you grief, <laughs> this is obviously not a podcast which can explain everything to everybody. I'm going to have to explain that to you. But if you told me over the same period, Jeremy Corbyn would be elected leader of the Labour Party twice, David Cameron would lose the EU referendum, George Osborne would become the editor of the Evening Standard, Boris Johnson would become Prime Minister, Donald Trump would become President of the United States. That's even more unbelievable than what I've done since 2015. And of course, you know, you, George, as well, leading a major cultural institution, the British Museum. Which has also been in the news a bit. We'll be probably talking about that in the weeks ahead as well. Uh, yeah, so we bring a different perspective than perhaps we would have done if we were doing this show right on the heels of our political careers. And a bit of inside insight. I seem to remember when we were on the Andrew Neil programme, every week you came in, you'd had another call with Jeremy Hunt, another chat with Rishi Sunak. I bet you're still quite plugged in. Well, I'm not actually married to them, unlike you, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> Ed's married to the uh, to the political elite of this country. Uh, so we are outsiders who were insiders. And yes, we have a, a fair idea of what's going on. But we're going to hopefully bring that to this podcast. We're going to show people how the decisions are taken in the room where the decisions are taken. So when's it going to start this podcast? It's going to be this Thursday. It's a weekly show. Some of you will have seen the video on social media where you can find us at Pole Currency, that's P-O-L Currency, that we've moved into a pretty swanky studio in Happening East London. People saw in that social film you uh, with your cardboard box being thrown out of 11 Downing Street and all your memorabilia, they're up here. Actually, let me just get it. We've got George Osborne's hard hat, the thing you kept popping up wearing when you were doing your... Um, Clips to camera as Chancellor of the Exchequer. Also, a rather odd picture of why would you have on our shelf David Cameron and Nick Clegg? They're the two men who made it all happen. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what I've got in front of me. No one's going to believe this. I've got a real golden rule. I mean, well, it's not gold, of course, because Labour sold off all the gold, uh, didn't they, Ed? But it's made of brass and it is a one metre long piece of like a metal ruler which says Ed Balls on it, economic advisor to the Chancellor of the Exchequer. It's really heavy. It was given to me when I left the Treasury in 2005 by the civil servants. It's a proper metre-long maritime ruler. Engraved on it is the Golden Rule and the Net Debt Rule, which are the two Labour fiscal rules we introduced in 1997. And it was actually organised by one of the guys who ran my office at the time, Richard Hughes, who is now... Head of the Office for Budget Responsibility. What goes around comes around. I think we'd better put a picture of this on our feed. 
So we've got, I didn't get anything, by the way, when I was kicked out of the treasury. I was told to literally, I was told to leave by the back door. I got F all apart from a P45 in the post a few weeks later. Really, I did. I got a P45 as the ex-chancellor. Didn't stop you getting new jobs in the coming months and years, did it? We should tell people about the way we're going to run um, this podcast. Yeah, you're the economist, Ed. I think you teach now at Harvard and at King's College London. I know economists like uh, obscure formulas. So we've come up with a formula for political currency, haven't we? Talk us through it. What we're going to do each week is, first of all, talk about the thing in the news. You just can't avoid that week because it's everywhere. Yeah, it's like when you sit down in a pub and you say to your mates, we've got to talk about this. And that's the thing in the news in politics this week, sort of like the Nadine Doris slot. Well, in recent weeks, it probably would have been Nadine Doris. This week, it probably would be concrete in schools. Then we'll go on to talk about the big thing which in economics or business politics, which we think is going to most shape what's going to happen in the economy and politics in the coming year. Could be the budget in Budget Week, could be the Bank of England Monetary Policy Committee meeting, could be the inflation figures. It could be something happening somewhere else in the world, which is kind of central and important. And we can analyse it, get underneath it, but also look Back to the past. What does history teach us about how things are likely to develop in the coming months? And then we're also going to try and focus on something people aren't talking about enough in our judgment. Uh, That might be something like the rise in the oil price or what's happening to gilt yields, which is what's going to affect mortgage rates for people. Why President Xi has not gone to the G20, uh, the Chinese leader, or what's happening in the Chinese real estate market, something happening at the European Central Bank, something, as you said, which is not necessarily front and centre, but we think is really important that we should talk about. And are we going to have guests on the show, Ed? Well, I think not in the first week. Definitely not every week. Maybe sometimes, if somebody can come in, somebody we know who can help to explain and for us to understand better something which is important. Or we're going to have people who you don't regularly hear on podcasts, but who have been really influential in how decisions are taken, the behind the scenes people who actually run the country. And they could be um, people we know from the past here in the UK. They could actually be international guests, former finance ministers, kind of politicians, academics, business leaders from around the world who we think could help to explain to us what is going on in the American economy or China or whatever. But however important they all are, the most important people are, of course, George, our voters. Uh, No, Ed, we're not actually seeking election anymore. We don't have to have cheesy lines like that anymore. The most important people are you. Our listeners are the most important people. They are. uh, are. You can send us questions on social media. We are at PolCurrency on all platforms. Or you can email us questions at politicalcurrency.co.uk. We'll read them. We'll play your voice notes in episode one. And we will be in your feeds this Thursday afternoon. It'll be such a relief to actually get some questions, voice notes from proper listeners, because in all the pilots, Ellie's had to do all of them. She was making them up and nowhere near as good. It'd be much better to have people who are actually sending us the questions that they want us to answer. It's time to have contact with the real world, Ed. See you on Thursday. Thanks for listening to Political Currency. This has been a Persephonica production.